Hi, I'm former Buffalo Bills wide receiver Don Beebe, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellas on Circling the Wagons podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Because nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? Hey, hey, let's go Buffalo. Hey, hey, let's go Buffalo. The Bills make me wanna Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times, here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey Bills Mafia, welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We have a special episode where we are going to talk Buffalo Bills 2023 draft class with a special guest writer that I've never had on from the site before, which I'm super excited to talk to uh, about this class, about other things Bills-related. But first, this episode is brought to you by the Twin Spires Sportsbook at DeLago. If you're in the western New York or central New York area, do yourselves a favor. Head on down to Exit 41 at the DeLago Resort and Casino, uh, where every moment is a winning moment. So I have a special guest, like I mentioned before. This is Max Owens from the BuffaloRumblings.com staff writer uh, group, which I've had several members on. Uh, I had before in the past, I've had Dan Lavoie on, Griff on, just talking draft writers. And so I'm super excited to talk to Max. Max, how are you doing this evening? Nate, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so glad. Like I mentioned, I talked to some of your predecessors before that. And I have to ask you... Uh, as I do with uh, with most guests uh, that are that are rumbling staff writers, whether it's you, Scarecrow, Sean Murphy, like all the group, really excited to have you on. How did you get into writing for BuffaloRumblings.com, and what was that process like? So, um, first off, I started. Um, I actually went to college for sport media. I went to Ithaca College, studied sport media, and minored in sports studies there. Um, once I got my degree, I was kind of trying to figure out what was next for me. Um, I had interned with CBS Sports when I was in um, in college, and I, of course, I really enjoyed the writing aspect. I've always been intrigued by it. Um, actually, Chris Trapasso, who used to be a um, editor in chief at Buffalo Rumblings, now NFL draft writer at CBS Sports, um, is someone who I've connected with. He's actually a family friend, so we've always connected about that for for a long time. Um, so I went to school, uh, I really, really loved, still loved the writing aspect, even after four years was looking for something. Um, so I just, I have always been a follower of Buffalo Rumblings for uh, years now, um, dating back several editor in chiefs. So, um, when the opportunity arose, um, I reached out to, uh, Matt Warren, who was our editor in chief at the time, um, who's now a senior editor for SB Nation NFL, and uh, the rest was history. He uh, let me be a contributor. Contributor, I believe that was in, uh, let's see now, that must have been early 2020 or 2019. I can't even remember at this point. But one of those years, it was um, very early on in the year, I remember. And I started and um, he kind of just let me write whatever I wanted. Um, I, I've always had a special liking to the draft. So um, from there, I've kind of progressed on. You know, I, I've always loved the draft and now... Um, being a draft writer for Buffalo Rumblings, it's, it's very cool. It's a very cool opportunity for me. I'm I'm very appreciative of 
all of the editors and, and, and Matt, who originally gave me the opportunity to write. That's one of the things I always loved about uh, people with backgrounds or, you know, experience writing about the draft and also have that Bills fandom background as well. I mean, I think about like Joe Marino, Chris Trapasso, which you mentioned, and now you like that's, that's always like fun to talk about that sort of level, because I mean, I'm, I pay attention to the draft after free agency, so like I don't watch college football. I'm just kind of coming up to speed on all of these things. So it's cool to to pick your brain and something like that. So how did you become a Bills fan? I mean, I'll ask. I'll ask next. So uh, just like anyone else would say, I mean, I just like it was just kind of like I grew up into it. You know, I'm from the area, so um, my dad was a huge fan. Um, and I just kind of grew up into it, you know. I just uh, it never, I never knew anything else. Never was a fan of anyone else. Um, I've always loved football since I was a little kid. I grew up around it. My uncle was a high school football coach, and I was always around him. Um, so it was just a lot of just a lot of football around me. And uh, so that I kind of just grew up into it. And um, you know, I was there for you know, I, I I'm 25, so I was you know, I kind of grew up into the. Um, in all the rough times and you know I, as i hit my 20s and as i started you know understanding football at at the highest point i believe um i started actually um being able to watch good football with the bills so that was that was great but you know just born into it just like mostly any, anyone else would say when you uh look at you know these draft picks and you're looking and you're scouting college players obviously there's a ton more that you're scouting that don't actually get drafted by the bills that you know you write articles about i mean you take all of that football knowledge or have you grown it since you've been working for rumblings about how you're looking at these players and evaluating them? So, um, it's been like a, it's been a real journey. You know, I just like any, you know, anyone else, you just kind of have to learn the game. You have to study the game, um, doing it at multiple levels. You know, I've read, I've read other draft folks for years and, and things of that sort. Um, I've watched coaching clinics online, um, I've never had the pleasure of going to one in person, but I have watched a ton of coaching clinics online, um, coaching videos, trying to learn the X's and O's, just trying to get as smart as I possibly can about the game. Um, so when I'm watching all 22, I know what I'm looking at. You know, I feel like that's a big thing. It's like, you know, you turn on the all 22 and you watch minutes and minutes on end of it. And you're like, oh, well, like, if you don't really know what you're looking at, it's like, oh, well, what did I, what did I just watch for that amount of time? You know? Um, so I really just focused on in the early portions especially when i started at rumblings i got really into you know watching film um watching coaching clinics and studying on concepts and things of that sort got super into it um and then from there that's just kind of i feel like it helps my writing a ton just like having a knowledge of the game already um and then from there you know i just i apply that to my scouting um for all the players that i do i watch a ton of college football during the season um, so I, I get my baseline from that. I go back and I watch the film for these guys. It's a blast. I love it. I, you know, it's not my full-time job, but I, I love doing it. It's, it's, um, it's a real pleasure. Every time I turn on film, it, it's exciting. You know, it's something I love doing. So yeah, it's just, uh, it's a journey. It's been a journey, you know, just, just learning the game throughout the years. Well, I, I want to let you know that, like, I was definitely reading your article every time the bills, uh, you know, picked a, a draft pick and I was reading some of the info on the podcast. So it's been super helpful, but let's get into the actual draft itself. Um, this past a May, May, April, April, geez, it feels like it was just, <laughs> feels like it was a month ago already. So, um, so what were your thoughts 
overall on the draft class from Brandon Bean. Um, did you like it? Were you surprised? Any general thoughts on uh, on the weekend in whole as a whole? Um, I have a lot of thoughts on on the on the weekend. You know, I think they actually did a very good job of maximizing value in the draft this year. Um, don't I wasn't particularly like you like why did you take that player at a certain spot or anything like that you know they only had six picks so you know there's only so much damage you're going to be able to do with six picks um that kind of capital you know it is what it is um they move up in the first round of course for Kincaid which I was a fan of you know I I I enjoyed the player itself um I'm curious to see how he's going to be linked in with with the system and how he's going to be utilized by Ken Dorsey um but I did like it as a whole, to be honest. Like, you know, early rounds, not too many positions of quote-unquote value um, as far as they took a tight end, they took a guard, and they took an off-ball linebacker. Those aren't considered value positions in the NFL these days. Um, but I did like where they took the players, and I actually like, um, for the most part, I do like how they fit scheme-wise in the system. So you walk away from this this draft they traded back several times they traded up once um favorite you mentioned dalton kincaid you like that pick were you surprised because as a fan as a podcaster content creator i thought for sure that they were going to go defensive player i thought it was going to be a middle linebacker like i mean jack campbell went off the board really early in my opinion i from where i was seeing him drafted and mocks and stuff like that and then you know, the four wide receivers went off the board, and I'm like, they're going to go defensive tackle, or they're going to draft Drew Sanders. Like, they, this is where they're going to pivot. In my head, I was thinking, well, you, you know, you have Sean McDermott taking over the defense for the first time. Like, he's going to want his guys in place to kind of lead that. And it was a big hole. We knew that, you know, uh, Tremaine Edmonds had left, and they hadn't really um, picked someone to, like, replace him formally. I mean, they have guys, but nobody to that level that, you know, he was at or even close to that level, to be honest. So, I mean, was you said you liked, you know, where they found value, and I agree with that, and that they went offense. I love that, all these positions that they picked. But I was surprised. Were you surprised at all, even pleasantly surprised, about how they went about the draft this year? Um, I... When the receivers all flew off the board four in a row in the first round, I kind of thought they would go defense. Um, but I had like this sticking feeling in my head that they just want to keep the cupboard full. You know, I mean, you have, of course, you have a franchise quarterback. You have um, a really good scheme fit with Kincaid, um, someone who's going to be able to split out, be your second tight end very early on in his career and then be able to um, be a more featured piece of the offense. He's not forced to be an absolute essential piece in year one. Um, I was a little bit surprised, but not in a way that I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they just did that. It was more of like, okay, like I see this is the vision that they have going forward. They're trying to keep the cupboard full. They're trying to keep the receiving options as plentiful as possible for Josh Allen and in the, the offense. Um, and they're willing to wait later for defense to try to – find fits and find holes. And one of the pre-draft narratives had been um, because Brandon Bean had said, Oh, D tackle, we don't have any D tackles under contract after this year, really. And, you know, like more people started to take notice of that. And I was like, Oh yeah. Like they're taking D tackle early. Well, of course that didn't happen. They didn't even take a D tackle in the draft. So that part surprised me. And then I, I know he said after the draft, Hey, like, you know, the value just didn't, wasn't there. And then they signed Puno Ford shortly after. So they know the needs there. 
but it's just a, it, to me it's just taking the talent that's there like Kincaid's clearly like you can make a real argument he's the best pure pass catcher in the in the draft regardless of receiver or tight end and they just stuck to their guns they took him and I mean hats off to them for that for that decision and I'm very curious to see how they're going to fit him into the scheme yeah you know when I was thinking uh you know we we did our big boards of big board of Buffalo Bills needs on the podcast following the season and then we adjusted it as free agency went on um and pass receive or receiver slash pass catcher receiving weapon was at the top of our list this whole time we're like you know and, and it was more or less just not necessarily that that was the biggest hole but in our opinion that was the biggest need because you needed like you said keep that cupboard full just keep giving Josh not only weapons to throw to but uh people in place to protect him um, and to, you know, be a bigger part of the run game to block for, for, you know, whatever running back we have uh, running for us. And, and so I was surprised that they went, cause this is the first time they've gone offensive player since Sammy Watkins. If you don't count Josh Allen, like in the first round, this is the first time that's happened. I was very surprised cause this kind this draft kind of went against what Brandon Bean has done in the small sample size that we've seen of him. Like he went tight end. He's never gone tight end above round three, but it was more of like it's a pass receiving, you know, weapon. Um, when you saw that, like there were some of Bill's mafia were just like, we don't utilize our tight end, even members of like WGR, like in the, in the media in general, they're like, we don't even utilize the tight end that we have that we're paying $14 million to. Why on earth would you, draft another tight end in the first round but it sounds like what you're saying and kind of what my opinion is is that this guy's a receiving weapon like you can line him up and he can be your third receiver on the field basically right exactly like i i think right away that kincaid is a better complete player than not knox ever was coming out of ole miss and i liked knox coming out of ole miss he was a great athlete of course a lot of traits to utilize barely had any production of course that was a very huge narrative for him coming out Kincaid is more of a truly split him out into the slot he can work a stem he can get in he can run a real route tree I'm not sure that's what Knox will ever be like I just think Knox is Knox is a useful useful football player I call him you know he he has a decent sized contract he's a useful football player he's I don't I think he's like a gadget plus player in my opinion. Like he's just not that player who's going to get in and out of his stems. He doesn't have perfect hands. He doesn't have, you know, he has juice to get vertical, but he's not a huge player and he doesn't have super strong hands at the catch point um, when getting vertical necessarily. Um, You know, he's flashed that at times, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I think that he's just a gadget plus player and I think they want him to stay in line at Y so that they can have that option of, you know, we can run us, we can slip him out into space and he's also going to be a yak player, but he's also can, if we need him to, we can play H back um, and we can set him up on a screen. I just don't think he has the pure receiving ability of Kincaid. I definitely hear the um, opinions out there of, well, we didn't use our tight end that we had that we paid all this money to, like, how are we going to use two? So I get that. I, I really do get that narrative, and I'm curious myself to see how that's going to work because you don't pick someone in the first round and move up for them if you're not going to give them a ton of targets in the offense. Um, but really, I think people should be – you know, there is crossover between Kincaid and Knox, but the the overall feeling that I have is that – 
they want Kincaid in the slot and at H back only. They and they're gonna, just going to keep Knox in line at, at Y and just roll with that. Um, but I am curious to see how, what it looks like for sure. One thing that I feel like uh, Josh was missing last season, which he hasn't—he wasn't missing the two seasons before—was like that Cole Beasley underneath sort of safety blanket in the slot and you know we thought it might be Isaiah McKenzie that didn't work out they ended up trying to bring Cole Beasley back that didn't really do a ton unfortunately I mean he did he did well with you know the amount of time that he had but it wasn't the same as you know two years ago it definitely not you know or wasn't as good as the year before or two years ago when Cole Beasley I think he either had a thousand yards or he was very close to a thousand yards but would you see Dalton Kincaid as maybe this safety blanket. Maybe Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott look back and be like, we really missed, you know, having that, you know, guy that can get underneath coverage, guy that can sit in the zone, find an area and, you know, catch the ball obviously reliably and then get some yards after catch. Like do do you see that 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 sort of I mean, we always thought I was always looking at like, you know, like a tank Dell or like a Josh Downs or maybe even like, um, you know, Jordan Addison or whoever else, you know, in the first round or, or Zay Flowers. That's what we were looking at potentially. I mean, do you see Dalton Kincaid as fitting in that role? It's just obviously a huge guy compared to Cole Beasley, but maybe also just being in that in that role for the Bills. Yeah, I, I think that um, a lot of what being able to be a zone leader as a pass catcher is instincts and understanding what coverage is being run on, on you um, and being just QB friendly. And I think, I think Kincaid's fairly QB friendly. Um, he does a good job of sitting in zone. He does work back to the football. Um, those are like two of the main, main ingredients to being a good zone receiver. And like you said, the, I mean, the bills were com- completely missing that last year. That's not what Isaiah McKenzie does. And it's never what he's going to be in the NFL. It's not what really what Dawson Knox does either. And you saw them try to bring Cole Beasley back just to do something like anything, just so they can have any zone beater. Um, you know, and it, it obviously like, it's easier. It's so much easier to defend a team when you can be. They make them be one dimensional. If they can only beat you in man, you're just going to zone them up, and you're just going to make them make right decisions. You know, and a lot of times last year they were so dysfunctional on, on offense that they weren't making the right decisions. Josh Allen's being hero ball, and you didn't get, have guys coming open. You had drops deep down the field and very low percentage plays down the field. And, you know, I think adding a guy like Kincaid, I think he is very QB friendly. You know, I want to see more from him, um, even more like as training camp goes on in preseason, just because he is still growing as a football player. He's still very new to football, but I do think he has a natural sense for um, sitting in zones and and being effective in that way as well. But I am curious. I I want to see more for sure. So the second pick of the draft was uh, guard Osiris Torrance from Florida. Uh, I was, again, surprised by this pick for a number of different reasons. The Bills had never taken a guard or interior offense, strict interior offensive lineman in the round, what, Wyatt Teller was the fifth round, so they hadn't drafted anyone above that. I mean, they drafted Cody Ford, but the thought was he was going to be a right tackle, not a guard. So that was more out of, you know, what happened, what ended up happening. And then not only that is is you have a guy that who doesn't necessarily have that kind of versatility to move from guard to center or guard to tackle. So like this is it was strange on a couple of different fronts. I mean, pleasantly surprised because it was I, I'm sure you'll agree. I 
great value because I saw him mock to the Bills at 27. So if you can get the same guy in 59, I mean, that's great. What did you think uh, when the Bills picked Osiris Torrance? I was I was very pleased. Um, I think that they needed a people mover inside. You know, this is a team that's been criticized a lot for not having a killer instinct, not having a, a bully mentality, and not being able to pivot to that in any situation. You know, this has very much been a finesse team over the past several years on their runs, and they've been scrutinized for not being a bully and, and not having anyone that could be a bully on their team. Um, I like the pick a lot. Um I think when people see a people mover at guard that they think, oh, this is a guy who's gap, gap, gap scheme only, gap in power. Like, this is what we got. I think that Torrance is actually better, even though he's not as great of an athlete as some of the other guys on the line that the Bills have currently. I actually think he's a great fit, scheme fit as well. Um, I think he does a very good job of, he, he is very powerful. Of course, he's a people mover, but he does a very good job of um, using his bend, using torque in his upper body to leverage himself so he can get position and on zone schemes and zone concepts um i actually think one of his biggest struggles was actually on the move when he had to pull when he had to be a puller um of course in gap and power um scheme you're going to be pulling a lot you're going to be um you know if you run trap you run power you run counter you're gonna have to be pulling a lot and i think he had a hard time finding his target on those um kinds of schemes and concepts um so i actually really like the scheme fit i really like the pivot as far as getting a power player inside um yeah he's not he's not a diverse player he's never going to be able to play tackle in a pinch for you he's never played center before i think he's you just stick him in at right guard um he probably, you know, he's going to push Ryan Bates hard. They pushed him or they picked him in the second round. So he's going to push Ryan Bates hard. And I think it's a really nice pivot for them. Honestly, I, I like this pick a lot. Um, as far as seeing the vision, this is one I really felt super strong on, you know, Kincaid, I have some questions about because of the tight end usage in this offense. Um, you know, we'll talk about Dorian Williams, but I have some thoughts on that too. And um, this is one where I really was like, yep, this is a pick I really like. This is a people mover, someone that makes a lot of sense in the scheme. They're going to be running a zone scheme with Aaron Cromer's offensive line. It's pretty clear at this point. Um, and this is just a bully they can add up front. This is a people mover that you want that you want to run your run game behind. And, you know, I, I like the pick a lot personally. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. So, I mean, people have been saying, you mentioned that like Ryan Bates you know, we'll have to fight for that starting job. I mean, when when I was so when I was doing any research on Osiris Torrance, 
um, it's funny. I had Rumblings writer uh, Sean Murphy on like a couple of months ago. He's like, "Wouldn't it be great to get like a guy, like a big guy, like Osiris Torrance in there?" And I was like, "Absolutely, I would love it." I don't think they'll do it, but I'd love it. And then they went and did it, and they got him in the second round instead of the first round. And and the other thing that was surprising to me about the pick was that they invested so much into the interior offensive line already. They extended Mitch Morris. They uh, they signed Ryan Bates to that deal last year, um, so he's only. In year two of the four-year contract they just signed Connor McGovern their biggest you know free agent contract in this season you know for left guard and you're thinking like they're not doing anything they think they're absolutely fine there and they weren't they went against the, what I thought they would do and they're like hey we have a, a chance to get a really great guy at this position so I loved it from standpoint everything you said um, resonates with me the question I have is is how likely do you think it is that Osiris Torrance starts over Ryan Bates because in my mind, like obviously Ryan Bates has that job, you know, to start with. Like if they they had David Edwards, they brought it. Like yeah, you know, like he probably start over David Edwards, just you know, familiar with the system. But now you bring a guy like Osiris Torrance who has like a wealth of uh, experience in the SEC at a high level. He's performed. He didn't allow a sack in college. You know, like do you think that there is a decent enough chance that he could be starting at right guard for the Bills in in twenty twenty three? I do. Um, I do. I do think he's, I think he is the leader in the pack to start. And it's because Ryan Bates is so versatile and you don't, you don't like to just kick a guy off the line because you know, they're versatile and you want to save them. But really in this case, we kind of talked about Torrance. He's not really a versatile positional player. Um, whereas Bates is someone who can play leg- legitimately play all five spots of the offensive line at a, serviceable level in the NFL. Um, and I think that's a huge reason why you start Torrance and you keep Bates fresh off the bench is because as your six man, as your rotational swing player. Um, so you can keep him healthy in case you do have any guys go down on the offensive line. He is someone that can truly play all five spots at a serviceable level. Um, and I think that only actually only like, it sounds kind of weird, but I think it actually only helps Torrance and his hopes of starting from day one of course he has to show up in training camp and he has to perform and you know he has to at least play close to what Bates is putting out in training camp but I think he's honestly the leader in the clubhouse you know you invest a second round pick and then of course Bates's versatility is a factor as well um and you want to keep that as fresh as possible if the competition's close so I do think he's he's leader in the leader in the clubhouse to uh be the starter this year so let's talk about Dorian Williams, the round three linebacker out of Tulane. Uh, thoughts on the pick? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Um, I like the player for sure. Um, really fun player, good athlete, uh, really long arms. He had almost uh, 34 inch arms and he's six foot one. That's pretty ridiculous, like length to height proportion. Um, which is great. You know, you love all those things. You love um, how he attacks the football um you love how he moves um you love how he he has decent hips um the one question i have is you know what's the plan for him um you obviously you know it's been kind of beat the drums have been beat a lot over the past few weeks here but he's kind of a player that's you kind of think he's a will but maybe someday he can play mike he played will in college you kind of want to you know you kind of thinking hey like this team really needed a Mike linebacker. Is this really the plan? Um, 
and you know Brandon Bean comes out right after the pick is made basically and says yep you know he's gonna start at will for us um, we're not really gonna work him at Mike right away I was like eh, you know like I don't really get it but um it is an interesting pivot again you know um the Mike linebacker spot you had such a huge player like you had a just a massive player who could take be a block take on blocks like Tremaine Edmonds um and now your options are Tyrell Dotson and um Terrell Bernard and you know Bale Inspector and AJ Klein and now Dorian Williams those aren't big players at all like Dodson is really the only one that's like physically the prototypical Mike linebacker so I'm really interested um I think that it's a pivot by the team the organization themselves they're not really you know going after that prototypical um old-fashioned Mike linebacker they're maybe wanting something a little bit more out of an athlete um someone who can move in space someone who can carry tight ends vertically um, things of that sort. I think that's pretty interesting. You know, I, I think that they want to integrate more man concepts into the defense. Um, and, you know, Tremaine Edmonds, he's a, you know, I think he's a fine zone coverage defender because he's so long and can get in throwing windows, but he's not really someone you want turning their hips and trying to run with running backs and tight ends in the NFL. Um, so I think it's an interesting pivot point. I I really hope that the plan is to put him at Mike at some point and they're just not playing their cards full out there. But um, if that's not the case, then I'm a little bit curious about this one, but I do, I like the, the talent himself. I'm just curious about the fit and what the plan is going to be because last year, the Bernard plan was a complete failure and you do the same thing in the same round this year. Uh, It's a little curious to me, but um, you know, I, I am someone who likes to wait and see, you know, before I make too many judgment calls, I do like to wait and see what the team's plan is and, and how they're going to effectively use a player that they used a, a value pick on in the top three rounds. So do you, it's all these points that you brought up are, are things that I've kind of thought on and off about since the draft. And, and when you mentioned like, you know, they might look at this position differently, the Mike linebacker differently, the middle linebacker, do you think this could be an area where they start to maybe rotate players in at that spot, like on obvious rundowns? Maybe it's an EJ Klein, or maybe it's a it's a uh, uh, a Terrell Dotson guys who are a little bit bigger. Or maybe if on obvious pass, passing downs, they bring in Terrell Bernard or Dorian Williams. Or Dorian Williams had a really great coverage grade coming out of college. I mean, could you see them going to that sort of routine, like they've like they've rotated along, like the defensive line, for example? Yeah, I think that's possible. I think it makes them multiple and versatile in, in their linebacker room. Um, gives them gives them some different different options of what they what they like, who they see as what their strengths are, and, and how they fit personally. Um, the one thing you just have to be careful of, of course, is you know there's going to be varying talents no matter what. Like these guys aren't all the same talent level. You know, I don't, I didn't see it with Terrell Bernard last year. I didn't see. I've never seen it with Tyrell Dodson. I've never seen it. I mean, Dory Williams is a wait and see, but I've never seen it with those guys. And, you know, I we haven't seen anything of Bale Inspector. And AJ Klein's never really played Mike at a high level in the NFL, and he's barely played any snaps at that position at a high level. So I am curious. Um, I don't think they have a quality player at the position, um, which is kind of murking things up a little bit. 
and I am, you know, I'm curious to see what they do, but yeah, I think it's possible that they, that they use these players in different ways. And, you know, there's not, there, it's very possible. There's not a full-time player at Mike this year and they do um, want different packages for different players. I think that's totally, totally a possibility. Do you think that was, now this doesn't have to do with the draft, but when they uh, signed Puna Ford just a week ago, um, you think they look at that area and it's like, okay, we don't have a big, strict Mike linebacker like Tremaine Edmonds. We need to get beefier up front. So they take on a guy like, you know, Puna Ford or whatever, make that more of an emphasis this season so that, you know, they can take some of the weight off their Mike linebackers. Does that cross your mind at all? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's definitely something that they need to consider, especially since they don't have a true Mike at this point. Um, I think that that's something they need, needed to have last year. Like even with Tremaine Edmonds, it's just something that they haven't been able to do. You know, you've been forced to play at Oliver at one technique and that's not what he is. You know, he's an undersized three technique as it is. And you're asking him to play one technique and take on double teams. They did that some last year. They had to do that a lot in 2021. They've never really had like multiple one techs to play like that are serviceable and like good players in the NFL. Like you had Daquan Jones and you hit on a free agent signing like that. That's huge. Of course, that's huge for the team, but you need depth at defensive line for sure. And especially now, if you're going smaller at linebacker, you're going to need to keep guys clean. Like you said, you're going to need to keep guys clean or you're going to get completely washed in the run game. And um, Puna Ford, I think, is a great signing, like super late, of course. You know, he's not like a super needle mover or anything. He's not going to change the course of the season. But that's someone who you take and you feel good. You feel good sleeping at night knowing you have Daquan Jones, you have Puna Ford, you have Ed Oliver. Um, Those are three guys you can at least rely on in a a rotational basis to be um, at least serviceable to good for you. Um, And then you have Jordan Phillips as well, who was injured most of last year. Um, you know, you have those four and you, f- you feel pretty good. You know, I don't love the room personally. Um, I think they could, I think there was something in the draft that could have been addressed. And I was really, that was one of the positions I was really surprised didn't, uh, especially at the pre-draft comments, but for sure it's, it's, that's absolutely a need, especially when you're going smaller at linebacker or, or you're going to get completely washed. Like you, you draft these smaller athletic players. That's, you got to keep them clean. That's really that's really the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Because I think even Darius Leonard is around the same size as like Dorian Williams, like size, like mm-hmm. height and weight wise. I mean, he's not a big guy, but they keep him clean, right? So that right. allows him to be as good as he is. So before before I go into uh, round five pick Justin Shorter, the wide receiver um, out of Florida, uh, would you say you just mentioned like defensive tackle was kind of a disappointment that they didn't get that? Was that your biggest disappointment if there is one in leaving the twenty twenty three draft that they didn't address defensive tackle, or was it something else? Um, so that's definitely a big one. Um, that and right tackle. Um, I'm not a Spencer Brown believer at this point. You know, I, I haven't seen, I need to see something to believe that he's some even serviceable as a starter in the NFL. I've seen, um, some core strength issues with him. Um, I haven't seen like, of course, I know he had the back injury and surgery going through, even through training camp. And it was a weird thing in preseason where it's like, is David Questenberry going to start over him? And it was like, Oh, well, I guess not. Here he is in the starting lineup now. So I know he was dealing with that, but I haven't seen anything to believe that he's a serviceable starter. I think is like over the past two years, he's been a liability completely. You know, he's got the athletic traits. We know that he was one of the most athletic tackles that ever come out of the draft. Um, 
but his core strength needs still needs a lot of work and that could have come that could have been hurt by the back surgery but that was a position i would have liked to see addressed at least somewhere um just adding some sort of young competition for him i was a huge fan of darnell Wright. obviously he doesn't even get close to where the bills pick in the 20s but that would have been someone i've been happy with in the first round you know i would have been happy with a tackle right tackle in the first round but um, of course that doesn't happen they clearly have you know a lot of belief in spencer brown they've said that in the pre-draft process um sometimes you know they bluff but when you don't take a player that proves, you know, they actually do believe in Spencer Brown. So that's one position and, and defensive tackle. Those are the two glaring ones. I'm like, come on, like, you know, lean a little something here to like at least buffer what you're having currently. Um, you know, you, you really don't, you lose Daquan Jones, you lose Ed Oliver after this year. Um, Jordan Phillips, you don't have anything really after this year. This is like, this is it. So unless you're have, you feel like you're going to have a really strong feeling to be able to resign a lot of these players. You're, you're trying on thin ice here because you know, it's, it's a tough game to play when you don't pick any players. You don't mean like defensive tackles, a death death spot where you need multiple guys and multiple units. And you don't even pick a player at any point, let alone first, second, third round. You don't pick any. So curious about that. Curious about right tackle. Those are the two I'm, I was like, eh, you know, I would have liked to seen it addressed, but you know, you only have six picks, so it's it's yeah. limited. Yeah, yeah, I feel like every draft you're kind of disappointed with like one or two positions, no matter what, and that I I would agree with everything you just said, right tackle, and uh, and uh, defensive tackle for sure. So when when you were talking about core strength, now like on tape when you're watching, like obviously if speed is an issue, it's very easy to see if the defensive end goes right past uh, Spencer Brown, then obviously speed issue, a footwork issue, whatever. How can you look at the tape and see that core strength, specifically core strength is an issue? So with him specifically, it's actually, it's pretty apparent to me. Um, any player who has really good speed to power and their rush arsenal, rush, rush arsenal is putting him like they he's gotten put in the dirt multiple times uh, like embarrassing reps on a football field um especially when when you're in the nfl that those reps should not be happening like he's getting dirted on some of those like i just know i remember i believe it was matthew judon put a long arm on him and just put him right in the grass like that should not be happening in the nfl like i understand he's had back injury and everything else but that is very apparent in that sense. And yeah, he's very good on the move when he can get out and block DBs and, and linebackers in space. But at the point of attack, he's not, a, he's not a people move, natural people mover at the point of attack in the run game. And I just see a player who he gets too many dominant losses against him. Um, when he's getting overpowered by someone with a long arm or someone with that long of arms and that much athleticism, it's, you know, he's not going to struggle with guys getting around him as much. It's really more so can you hold up as, as with your core strength, can you anchor like this? He's getting dirted on long arms and bull rushes. And that's where he's struggling mightily. And, you know, obviously Roger Saffold was a weak link last year, but I think people, you know, need to like consider that Spencer Brown wasn't good at all last year. And he had an argument with Roger Saffold to be the worst of the offense lineman in the line last year. So I just see a guy who, you know, he's, he's on his back way too often. Um, and, and pass pro and that simply dominating losses 
are going to catch up with you very fast in the NFL because he doesn't have enough dominating wins to um, negate the dominant losses that he has. And you didn't see like any progress as the season went forward because you think if it was a, a core strength issue, it's like, yeah, sure, you know, the beginning of the season. But over time, you would think unless you had a huge setback that you would continue to build on that core strength mm-hmm. through PT or whatever the case may be. I mean, the, the, the rest of the season, and, and by the way, you're not the only one to say this. Like lots of people have said like Joe Biscalia had him as like his sixth worst ranked you know, starter on the Buffalo Bills of like his 34 or 35 ranked players on offense and defense. So like, I understand completely what you're saying. And he said that like, it didn't even get better. Like as the season went on, it wasn't like he was like, oh, okay, now he's starting to reach. Okay. So this gives you promise. This gives you hope for, you know, the next season. Like it just, it would never got better. No, that's my concern is that he hasn't gotten better. I mean, you see the flash of what he can be, but your two seasons, into his career like you you've got to have some some sort of improvement at this point or else you you can't start in this league like period he's not gonna be if he plays like this um in 2020 as he as he has the first two years in 2023 there's no way you can feel comfortable running him out as a starter and, and that would be one of my top priorities for replacement and in, in next year's offseason if, if he does run out there and play the same way he did his first two years Yep. Well, I was going to ask you at the end of all of these draft picks what your biggest needs are going forward, and I think you just answered that question. So that's one less uh, I can ask you. But like, no, I agree with you 100%. Right tackle, defensive tackle, those are two huge needs. Those are huge holes and needs uh, going into 2024. So I guess I'm sure you'll probably be scouting those players, you know, in the in uh, in the upcoming uh, draft and whatnot when you're watching college football. So that wraps up this week's episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. As always, our podcast is brought to you by the twin spires draft book at delago if you're heading down route 90 or you're anywhere on the thruway make sure to do yourself a favor and check out the twin spire draft book at delago at the delago resort and casino in waterloo new york at exit 41 we've been talking about it for a few years now and you have to do yourself a favor and check that out if you'd like to follow max on twitter his Twitter handle is at Max underscore Owens 9. On Twitter, that's Max underscore Owens 9. He's a Buffalo Rumblings draft writer. Be sure to catch up next week where we go over the rest of the rookies of this year's draft class, and we try to put together some linkages between where we could see them starting, what we like about this upcoming season, things that we're excited about, things that we're a little nervous about, and everything in between. So for me, Nate, go Bills. And we'll talk to you guys again next week.
Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate. <laughs>